everyone, and welcome to episode 206 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Zafrat Olive, and we got the full crew here today, starting off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this week, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, not much. Pretty hyped. We have the full Ravnica Allegiance spoiler talk about some other news. Should be a fun cast. And joining us to talk about these topics, we also have Krim, probably better known as Asian Avenger. What's up, Krim? <laughs> How's it going, <laughs> I'm Seth? doing well. Uh, it, I couldn't well. resist that intro. I've been I've been holding that in for like uh, several weeks since you joined the podcast, and then I figured this was the week. We're just doing it. Episode 206. <laughs> I, I, that, it feels like I've been knighted. It's great. <laughs> uh, so this week, we have quite a few things to talk about. Our big topic, full RNA set is out. We have a few specific cards we wanted to talk about. Also, Krim has been doing some proxy testing uh, in the paper world, testing out the new cards seeing how they actually work so we're gonna get some of his thoughts on the new cards and then we got some product announcements mythic edition challenger decks uh, gonna make some bnr predictions with that coming next week and that being one of the big topics and then of course your fish mail so that's the plan for today before we jump into it a reminder that the show today is brought to you by spikesacademy.com the world's first magic the gathering e-learning academy they have online courses from some really great players like pvddr reduke doing a modern course you can join the academy over at spikesacademy.com and even get 10 percent off with the coupon code goldfish uh, so thank you to them for their support to learn more check out spikes underscore academy on twitter so anyway with our sponsorship stuff out of the way let's talk some ravnica allegiance so i think we're going to start off with a few individual cars we wanted to talk about and for this we'll turn to richard richard lead us through some sweet rna cards all right we so we obviously got the whole set last week we have a couple mythics we haven't talked about so we want to talk about them today first up we have the best preview card for <laughs> the best magic content yeah yeah <laughs> angel of grace spoiled by saffron olive himself <laughs> Three white white. It's a 5-4 creature angel. Flash. Flying. When it enters the battlefield until end of turn, damage that would reduce your life to less than one reduces it to one instead. Four white white. Exile angel of grace from your graveyard. Your life total becomes 10. I think this is the sweetest card I've ever got to preview. Uh, discounting Blood Moon from Master Sets, because that's obviously number one. But discounting Blood Moon. Angel of Grace, <laughs> I think this card is actually legitimately good there's a pretty long track record of these flashy white flyers like archangel avison restoration angel with some sort of upside being very good to great in standard and while angel of grace little awkward that is kind of competing with lyra in the five drop slot flash is a huge upside the body is good the abilities while not relevant all the time in certain situations can be really good so i actually have pretty high hopes for angel of grace and standard yeah the a angel of grace just seems really really powerful uh and and like i love i love the six mana activated ability <laughs> this this card is dumb i hate this card so much <laughs> as, as, as a mono red grinder on arena like if you didn't have jumpstart as a mechanic maybe this is fine right like you know that that one turn where you get invulnerability okay and then you know you, you try to burn them out but now they can just jumpstart this thing into the graveyard so you, you don't have to have that angel die and they can just gain 10 life it's already hard enough burning someone out with like you know aggro you have to get through a settle the wreckage <laughs> and now you have this like stupid angel coming in they really don't like aggro like i, I don't know how you would fight through this <laughs> as an aggro deck it just seems so demoralizing it's like are you playing white with the ability to cast angel of grace i'll scoop and move on <laughs> really, <laughs> and like really? i just don't like it right it's so difficult what are you gonna do what's your counterplay to this really though we've had we've been talking about and oh, at risk of getting into arena and having this be a two-hour podcast because that's what every half ever <laughs> happens every time when we get out of the arena topic but really like wizards is upfront about designing things <laughs> with best of one in mind and that impacting their design and arguably, aggro's too good in best of one. So I feel like having some cards that actually really punish people for just playing aggro all the time, it might actually be a good thing to kind of make the meta a little bit more uh, diverse in best of one matches. I don't know. What do you think, Krim? Like, is this a best of one card? Does it have more ramifications there than it does in best of three? Or is it just good in general? It's Well, first off, it's I think it's good in general. 
but yeah, definitely going to be really, really good in uh, best of one. And just for like, because now like they're going to have skewer the critics like red decks and all that other stuff. So this will help you combat, you know, red deck having more <laughs> ways to deal three to you. Uh, and yeah, like this, just th this kind of ability makes it so that decks have to be careful with how much they're committing to like, you know, finding lethal and all this other stuff. And, and like Richard said, it's like, ah, well, you know, I, I got them this turn. Oh, just kidding. No, I just used all my cards and now, and they're still at one or, or they went back to 10 and it, it requires the, the red deck player now to play differently and they have like, they have to hold like what is an additional spell or something else to respond to what would be maybe the enter the ETB effect of Angel of Grace. Yeah, this, this is, it's like Thrag Tusk. Like, yeah, you can beat Thrag Tusk. But like, there's like so little counterplay. Like, you, like as a red player, you you don't. There's nothing you can do about your deck building, right? Like, what do you do about this? Nothing. You hope they don't have it, or you hope, <laughs> you hope that when it goes on the stack, you have the mana to respond to this, or you know, you have that one turn before they untap and put the six land to exile this thing. So you have like a small sliver of time to do something. But other than that, it's like cross your fingers and. <laughs> Hope someone missed out on preview season and doesn't know about Angel of Grace, right? <laughs> I like, mean, doesn't Lyra already kind of do the same thing if you're playing mono red? Maybe, maybe you could kill Lyra, or you could just avoid Lyra and burn the face, right? Yeah, I guess I guess that's mm -hmm. true. Eh, well, we'll see. But I definitely think this card's going to be good. What about modern? Does this have any application being some weird Angel's Grace or something outside of standard? It's... I mean, I guess you could play this fairly as, like, tutor it up to fizzle a storm kill or something. Like, you play it as a finisher, I guess, in a control deck, but I'm not really seeing it. I don't think the combo potential is there. The combos with Angel Grace, uh, they just take so much mana. Like, sure, if you want to... I don't think Angel's Grace Ad Nauseam actually works anyway, uh, because Angel's Gra uh, Ad Nauseam causes you to lose life, but you need 10 mana to cast Angel of Grace and Ad Nauseam in the same turn, and and that just doesn't seem that realistic to me. It's not even legendary. You can you can keep <laughs> slamming these things in. All right, let's move on to another angel. We have Seraph of the Scales, two white and a black. It's a four three creature angel flying. You pay white to give it vigilance. You pay black to give it death touch, and it has afterlife two. So when it dies, you create two one one white and black spirit creature tokens with flying. So. When I saw this card, I was kind of just like, meh, I don't think it's that good. But then, Krim, you were, you seem pretty hyped about it. So convince me of the goodness of Seraph of Scales. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I was right there with you, uh, with the spoiler. I, I think actually, yeah, like the day it was spoiled, it actually, I don't know. I think we talked about it and it didn't look that great either. I mean, well, art wise, it looks gorgeous, but, uh, like the, the card itself though, when I, when playing with it so far seems, kind of like absurd with the afterlife too uh and like the whole like paying getting giving it vigilance and also giving it death touch means it's a powerful blocker it can you know uh efficiently kill a, a carnage tyrant which and 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 probably gonna need something with death touch especially when you've got like all these things with riot coming into play soon uh domri giving everything riot if you if they play it or rhythm of the wild and just it being able to have death touch and then leaving two power behind two bodies behind was uh was pretty big and like playing it out of something that maybe like a Judith deck can benefit from like this could top out of a of a Mardu deck or you could play it in Mardu Angels if you want uh stuff like that the just the the Afterlife two is just so relevant every time every time it, it happened just like having the two one ones on board doesn't really seem significant at first but the things you could do with it uh like out of out of the decks that want to play it like maybe an aristocrat style deck. Uh, it was kind of absurd. Interesting. So I think uh, that's good to hear because I think it's a cool card and it is, it's a card that looks potentially powerful to me. Like two spirits, if you get a four, three and then two spirits when it dies, that's a pretty good rate. My concern was like Lava Coil and Faraska's Contempt and also that it's, I guess a little bit smaller than some of the other flyers. Like, how does this match up with like Rekindling Phoenix or Lyra? Uh, but maybe the Death Touch just solves that problem. I guess it does take down Doom Whisper. It does uh, do a lot of good things on offense and defense. So uh, it's cool to hear that it's maybe better than it actually looks at first glance. Yeah, yeah. like like when it comes to like 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 figuring out you know what what I'm what I'm gonna play. <laughs> 
uh, I, I'm a lot of things are gonna die to removal. It, the, the good thing here is it's just I'm hoping I tax my opponent's removal, right? Like I, I, I run them thin a little bit uh, on like Vraska's contempts, uh, making them use the lava coils on on this. Sure, it's not gonna feel great that I don't get my two power and like you know tokens, but at the same time it's like well that's one less lava coil, right? So and then and once again as I said Mardu Angels this pairs well with Lyra, so I, I definitely don't hate this with Lyra. It kills Carnage Tyrant. So Krim, yep, yep. Krim loves <laughs> also it. known as uh, <laughs> it kills Carnage Tyrant. Uh, we, best card in the set. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of powerful angels, so it, it'll be interesting to see. So in the angel deck, you just throw this in because you're just playing all angels. But when you're not playing an angel deck and you have these colors, like which angel uh, do you choose to slot into your deck? So that's an interesting choice. All right, next up we have Captive Audience. Five black and a red. It's an enchantment mythic. Captive audience enters the battlefield under the control of an opponent of your choice. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Your life becomes four. Discard your hand. Each opponent creates five two-two black zombie creature tokens. <laughs> oh, this card is so sweet. This is one of my favorite cards in the set. I I don't know if it's good. It's seven mana, and then it takes several turns to actually really win you the game. But, I mean, if you get to seven mana and survive three turns after that, you should be able to kill your opponent with just a captive audience. It seems super fun in Commander, where you get to pick your enemy and just, like... <laughs> really really screw over one person especially since you start with 40 life going from 40 to 4 after discarding your hand that is that is brutal in commander <laughs> i just <laughs> i mean also i don't know if this matters in standard and how, how good this is because i haven't actually seen this card in in standard yet or played with it but uh <laughs> can they can they excellence binding this Ooh. Oh, I need to read Ixalan's Binding. Because I think that's only stuff that, you know, permanents your opponent controls, right? Uh, that is true. Non-land permanent opponent controls, not owns. So you can't no, deal yeah, with so it with the Ixalan's Binding. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's, what do you think of the, the, the trigger? So at first, I, I made a comment a couple of weeks ago with Riot being like, oh, I think this is worded as it is to have less triggers on Arena. And then some people are like, no, old mechanics work that way. But Captive Audience, to me, the fact that it unders, enters the battlefield under your opponent's control, that seems like a, a pretty unique way of doing this that we haven't seen before. Other effects like this tend to like come into play and then go to your opponent. Do you think that's, is that what they're doing? Is this just to like minimize the number of triggers on Arena? I think, I think so. they're just simplifying the game. Correct. Like the fact that it triggers is weird. It should just, like the trigger and the stack, I think, are not intuitive, right? Like you, you need the stack when things are ordered, but for things where you don't really need the stack, like it's just weird. So I feel like they're just simplifying the game because it, like, on arena, it doesn't matter, right? It goes, it goes on the stack. You choose someone. Like it's not like it changes arena in any way, but it just makes the overall game smoother. And I guess there's things like you can't stifle this or, you know, some weird stuff like that, right? But that's what I was gonna say. Repudiate. We have a stifle in standard. <laughs> that's the dream mm -hmm. as your opponent tries to give you this and you could stifle the trigger and be like, haha, gotcha, but <laughs> now now that'll never happen. It makes me slightly sad. But it's probably a good thing overall. So how legitimate of a finisher is this? Like let's say you're playing a Grixis deck or something and this is your win con. Like is this good enough? I think it depends on how many answers people are playing. Like, are there just incidental ways that people can kill this? I tend to think the answer is going to be no. We see incidental artifact destruction, but I'm not sure how much I guess there's like Night of Autumn. It depends on how much enchantment hate there is in the format. If this is just essentially guaranteed to stick around, I could see it actually being a legitimate finisher. I mean, I like with how many good enchantments uh that are like are right like there are right now in standard i i think there may just be i mean like mortify like looks even better than it did before uh and because there is a silly amount of enchantment so maybe there will be some like just like hate main deck lots of it yeah or maybe this is like so you play this and your opponent's like i give you five zombies and then they wrath the board 
And then next turn, they discard their hand. But since this is a seven drop, you guys probably have no cards in hand. And then life becomes four and they're like, cool. But then you can't finish them because they're at four. So maybe it's not good enough as like your only win con and you're, you're better off playing something that's more versatile. Uh, I really do like this in Commander, though. This is yeah uh absurd it's like hey you're dead seven right and like they you know you have to deal with it immediately because any of these happening on your upkeep is really really bad for you in commander so very interesting card especially since it's a rakdos enchantment we don't get many of those so i really like how this card kind of the flavor of it and then imagine uh you can like bounce this and like if you have it somehow i guess you could bounce it and give it to someone else like i like how does this work hmm i mean like if you I'm, blink it i mean yeah it, does it keep track of the modes like example if i it should be I a new card to, when it comes back in right yes yeah, so it would reset the modes if you Whoa. if you flickered it or blinked but what it. if you donate it if you yeah, donate I mean. it the modes stay there right yes the modes would not reset if it didn't leave the battlefield okay cool but still like Play that hot would potato cool. with this thing <laughs> that would but who's gonna be just like randomly playing donate in case someone gives them captive audience they're like ah we have an answer so you <laughs> play it, you stifle the first two ones <laughs> and then you donate it around uh all right next up we have a biogenic ooze three green green it's a two two creature ooze when it enters the battlefield create a two two green ooze creature token at the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on each ooze you control. One green, 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 create a two, two green ooze creature token. Hmm. <laughs> this card just, it seems decent on its own already without having to do all this other fancy stuff like pay four, make another ooze. It's just, it, it, you're paying five mana, you already get four power on board. And, uh, you know, like you can, like, then if it comes back a full turn, or I mean, at your end step, uh, that immediately just pumps both the ooze that you just created in. So it's like six power, I guess, for five mana. Not bad. I think it's pretty good on its own. Yeah. I think this is a card that it has a lot of upside. Uh, yes, there will be games where you just play it and your opponent shocks it. At least you still get a two, two left over. So you're getting something, but then there'll be games where uh, you're both kind of like in a top deck war and you top deck this and play it. And it literally just wins you the game by itself. Like you have this great mana sink where you're making these oozes. It's growing the oozes each turn. So I think even though it's base stats are like, a little bit small when you consider everything it does i actually think this is a a pretty powerful card the only thing is in our current standard five mana gets you a lot like you there is some once you get up to like five to six mana there's like to fairies and lyras and doom bringers and carnage tyrants one more mana so is biogenic is going to be able to like find a home and beat out the other options i'm not really sure but it is a powerful card in a vacuum uh, that's yeah. that's kind of just always been the problem i guess with uh <laughs> with with uh new cards like yeah there's powerful cards but just like what what are you taking out of certain decks to put this in is it better than another said five drop or anything like that and it's kind of kind of the line to walk on it i think it's actually pretty bad uh <laughs> like the fact that you can shock <laughs> it is like really bad right and if it if it actually cloned itself so if it made a copy of self so that you'd have two of these things uh, if they killed one, you still have one that has the abilities. But most of the time, they'll just kill this one, and you have a grizzly bear left over that happens to be an ooze. So I don't like that. And five mana, six six. Like it has to live to end a turn. Then you get a six six over two bodies. Green can do a lot better than that. We already have like five mana, six six flying trample and. Uh, you know, all our crazy angels and carnage tyrants and stuff like that. So I feel like if you spend your game ramping into this, you're going to be a little disappointed. So I don't think it's that good. Like if they somehow exponentially multiplied, it'd be pretty cool. But as is, you have to spend four mana to make a two, two and it's just kind of slow. <laughs> I think if it had, if it actually like duplicated itself. Yeah. <laughs> That like would be kind of like the Hearthstone right? card, right? At the end step, it would just duplicate itself, right? So your answer to this is you need to kill immediately or wrath. Then it gets a lot better. But here it's like, it's like, eh, two bodies. This, 
this is a card I'm actually a little disappointed was not legendary, even though it would make it worse for standard, but uh, it would be a cool commander card if it was legendary. Being just a normal ooze, like, I guess if you're building an ooze deck, you still, <laughs> still play it in your ooze. 99, but uh, it would be much more exciting to me if you could play this as your commander and have it be your ooze commander. It, it should have made an ooze at every end step. I think it would be... Ooh. much better without breaking it and on you know on top of that you could pay four mana to make another ooze but i don't know like first turn it's like three threes and then four fours and five, five. it's like i don't know you can just chump forever right like it's not even that scary so it's like i don't really like this and then you just wrath at some point that's a good point because like tender shoot dryad is five mana and it's only rare yeah, it does so much and more, it does it every right? end step and there are three threes as long as you have a send so it seems like maybe this is just bad tender shoot dryad and you had things that made sapperling well, tokens in standard, making your tender shoot dried worth so much more, right? Whereas I don't think there's another standard playable ooze, is there? Prime Speaker, that's the one. Elf ooze wizard. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it even yeah, curves. Okay. It even curves. Look at that. And you then can just sacrifice. That's the whole point. Into this. It's five mana, and you can sacrifice it. You it's can, like Podfather, you, right? Yes, like, you sack. <laughs> you sack the biogenic ooze to get your Carnage Tyrant, and you still have a two-two left over. <laughs> And you got rid of the ooze, yes. so you don't have to look at now that bad thinking. card. <laughs> Watch that actually be the truth in standard. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, last mythic. We have Mesmerizing Benthid. Three blue blue, four five, octopus. When it enters the battlefield, create two zero two blue illusion creature tokens. With whenever this creature blocks a creature, that creature doesn't untap during its, un uh, its controller's next untap step. Mesmerizing Benthid has hexproof as long as you control an illusion. <laughs> so I I don't know if this card is good, but I definitely expect to play it. I just want to want to play this quasi duplicated a bunch of times and then play uh, the enchantment that draws when things become tapped, so you can uh, <laughs> can potentially tapped out creatures and just like I don't know you go like one out of ten as far as winning, but boy the one that one is gonna be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it probably doesn't have anything to do with the Verity Circle. It probably just has to do with this is a 4-5 with Hexproof if you do go 1 out of 10. <laughs> yes, you can copy it. Can you imagine you play this for 5 mana. The next turn, you can quasi-duplicate jumpstart it, and you have 3 of these and 6 <laughs> random zero twos, and then you throw in, like, Mirror Image or whatever, and just, like, you'll have so many octopuses and so many illusions. <laughs> At this point, we should also just throw in Helm of the Host, too, and get even more. <laughs> That's true, and it has hexproof, so your opponent can't interact yeah. with it. I know. Yeah, forever. <laughs> I, I am seriously going to build this deck. It's going to be horrible, but I seriously am going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you All think? Right, here's, here's the real question, guys. Here's the real question, guys. Does this make Jace Cutting Castaway playable? <laughs> 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 Jace makes an illusion, giving you even more hexproof <laughs> protection. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. Definitely no. not. <laughs> that was the one. This was like the Felidur Sovereign Force of Heal. You know, this was the chance to bring redemption to Jace Cutting Castaway. I don't know uh, what could make Jace playable, honestly. This yeah, card is not that bad. I actually kind of like this card. Uh, the only problem is we have so many flyers in standard, but this puts up like three bodies, and when you block, it buys you two turns. So uh, it kind of deals with Carnage Tyrant for a turn. You take four trample damage, but Carnage <laughs> Tyrant doesn't untap. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you could throw the whole thing behind it and then triple chump block, but I, I think no the... Damage. The tapping someone down is interesting. Uh, if only these things could have reach or block flyers, I think it would be actually really good. But uh, I think people are underrating it. It's not like the craziest card, but I think we might see it somewhere. I'm thinking like what blue deck really wants this, right? I mean, maybe maybe Bant Tokens. Maybe Bant Tokens gets wild, adds a mesmerizing benthid. Not just as a control finisher. <laughs> it has oh, expert. Oh. You can't you can't you can't get rid of it. Oh, well like I mean a uh, <laughs> bad etherling or something. <laughs> this is not even close to bad etherling. Uh, <laughs> it would have to do so uh, much more to be bad control etherling. Control mirror, you take out your wraths, and then all of a sudden this like it's you know when people put Carnage Tyrant into control mirrors? It's like that except 
You don't have to add green. You can just play mesmerizing method. Except this may get countered. <laughs> I, I don't think it's bad. I just don't know where it fits. I I have the same issue Krim does. Like the rate's not horrible. A four five and two zero twos with some upside. That's fine, but. Who actually wants it? That's the that's the problem I don't get. I think it's maybe what about Commander? Like Quest for Ula's Temple or whatever, you can play your sea creature tribal deck. What does that even do? <laughs> I, I guess it's an octopus. Yeah. A Kiora deck. I don't know. This is very underwhelming for Commander as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's just all, all around kind of underwhelming, but <laughs> But it's an octopus, guys. It's an octopus. <laughs> Yes, correct. <laughs> it's not even an octopus lord. That'd be pr- that'd have been pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like how Lyra does it for angels. At least if this were like an octopus lord, that'd be pretty sweet. Right, or an right, here, here's the, here's a last chance. What about modern illusions? Does this have any <laughs> yeah, point oh. in modern illusions? Uh, it's not even actually an illusion, which is a little weird. I, I'm gonna say the random five drop is probably not going to make it in modern. No, no. <laughs> that's a that's usually right. a safe bet. If not, not even with the Lord pumping up the zero twos, maybe no, like <laughs> Mono Blue Tron. You'll have enough mana to cast it, and this is your you get rid of like Karn or whatever, and this is your finisher. <laughs> it sounds so <laughs> not good. Like <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of Karn for mesmerizing method. <laughs> yeah, please don't, please don't really do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, last thing about Ravnica Allegiance is we got our masterpieces. So we, their Mythic Edition is coming back, and we have two, four, six, eight, nine Planeswalkers. So I'll just rattle them off for you. Karn, Sign of Urza, Tamio the Moon Sage, Soren Markov, Jaya Ballard, Ajani Mentor of Heroes, Dak Faden, Domri Chaos Bringer, Kaya Orzov Usurper, and oh, that's it. We have eight. Two, four, six, eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sweet looking. I think I'm slightly underwhelmed by the Planeswalkers in this one compared to the ones for Ravnica Elite or Guilds of Ravnica. I think they're like slightly less playable. It might be that the that the new Planeswalkers, like Kaya, kind of drag it down a little bit. Um hey. I, I'm mostly happy that they they seem to have learned from the mistakes, at least a little bit of the first one, and they're selling them through the Hasbro eBay shop, which has it's got to be better than Hasbro Toy Shop, but then just about anything is. So uh, hopefully <laughs> that solves some of the ordering issues and people can actually get them without spending hours F5-ing and not knowing if your payment went through, and hopefully it avoids that nightmare. Um, For me, I mean, I, I actually... Like I'm, I'm surprised Dovin's not in this. Yeah. Right? Like yep. you, you have Domri, you have Kaya, but you don't have Do- like Dovin, the Bonhammer. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I am I, like much like Seth said, I am happy that they're uh, making it so that you can <laughs> buy this off of uh, the, the Hasbro eBay site, which is huge. Not that I'm really jumping out of my seat to get any uh to get all of these i'm probably gonna if i'm gonna pick up any i'm gonna just buy them as singletons like the tamio and the kaya uh but like i mean i might want karn but karn's art uh makes me chuckle (laughs) because (laughs) for i don't know why it just looks like he's like rubbing his chest (laughs) like he he just (laughs) just looks a little funny to me but uh yeah i i'm i'm excited to see that they're uh learning and and like and how they're gonna sell the mythic edition so yeah so ebay i think the ebay the ebay shop uh so for international people and also for their site not crashing and dying horribly but also you're gonna need that 15 percent coupon to sell any of these i think this like (laughs) This set of Planeswalker is so bad. Like, I see this and, like, nothing gets me hype. The art is kind of meh. Uh, for some reason, Dovin is missed. I don't like Dovin, but he's a new Planeswalker from the set. Like, why is he not in here? And there's just nothing exciting about the set. Where I felt like the last one, you're like, wow, this is pretty sweet. This is like, eh, maybe I'll pick up a single if I need it, but... I, I think this one's not going to sell well. It's like one of the stinker SDCC sets where you're like, none of these Planeswalkers are exceptionally good. Uh, Karn is the, the best one here. And I don't well, know. Isn't Soren I don't know that's enough. EDH? Uh, I mean, Soren is so cheap. Like, Soren, like a, re- like a normal Soren is so cheap. And I, he isn't even played that often. I actually added up the prices uh, for the original printings and. 
This version of Mythic Edition came in at like $120, uh, and then the first one was like $160, so it is like a pretty big decrease in value as far as uh, just how much the original printings of the cards are worth. At the same time, I'm looking at eBay right now, the original ones, that thing is absurdly expensive. People are selling sealed Mythic Editions for $500 plus, which is absurd when it was only $250. But I think this leads to another question. Do you think the supply will be a lot higher? Since it's going to be through eBay, presumably eBay is not going to crash because of a magic community amount of traffic. Uh, do you think this means that there's going to be plenty of them available? And if you want one, you're going to easily be able to pick one up? Or are we still expecting like they sell out within a half hour, within 10 minutes or whatever? Available. I don't think these will sell out. I, I, I think these will be available because of the planeswalkers in them. <laughs> yeah. Not like not many people are going to jump out of their seats for any of these. And as, as I said, like anyone that wants any of these will probably take the route that I'm doing, which is just buy them as singles. Yeah, I think Dak Faden and Karn, maybe Tamiyo, but then the rest are really meh. So I don't think people are going to jump in. Maybe if some of the standard ones take off, uh, people will like them, but it's... It reminds me of SDCC where you had, you know, years of it selling out and then one year they put out like a bunch of stinkers and it was available for like four months, right? I feel are like this is the, one of the stinkers. The Amonkhet ones, I think? Yeah. The Those were the ones the- that were just available forever because people <laughs> didn't like them. Yeah. Not, nothing here screams like crazy and then the art, nothing is really resonating with me. So I, I feel like no one, like maybe commander players, but even then there aren't that many good commander planeswalkers here, so... And Maybe, eh. they should have just put Teferi again. <laughs> I artwork. mean, that would have been Teferi with new art, right? Like, as if you haven't seen enough Teferi, right? <laughs> just doing every mythic edition. You see him in every game of standard, you might as well see him in every product, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your experience, Richard. <laughs> I find with Teferi. It's great. It's great that they can tap out and then untap and do whatever they want. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Uh, all right, so does that wrap up our Ravnica allegiance discussion? Are we uh, moving on to other topics? Or uh, before we do, just real quick, because we're kind of running long. Krim, you've been doing some testing. Uh, give mm-hmm. me, like, I don't know, maybe two or three cards that you feel like have exceeded your expectations. And if you have any, uh, a couple that maybe have not been as good as you were hoping going into it, if there are some. Um, Quench? Frilled Mystic. Uh, the the surprise here is like just how powerful the uncommons have been, and even a few of the commons. I mean, I don't really need to talk about Skewer the Critics, right? Like we already know that's good. Um, but and of course, as I told you, Seraph or is it Seraph? I, I'm probably butchering the name. Uh, I'll call it what Richard called it, Seraph of the Scales. Oh no! Uh, now you're putting the responsibility on me. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> if anyone fl- flames me for this, <laughs> I'm just following Richard. <laughs> uh, but like. Uh, and then Angel of Grace uh, has also been really good. And the split cards have been... Just, all the split cards are just so versatile in the set. They've they've either just been an answer or a threat. Like, they allow you to answer something or just, yeah, make a threat out of it. Um, I, like, only only two of them are, like, super situational. Uh, this 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 set overall at the beginning just looked a little, little underwhelming in power uh, when it f- first initially got spoiled. But it, it's definitely rounded out. And Zagana, Utopian Speaker, another sweet card. Uh, that that's just been another all star. I, th- I think there's going to be a really sweet Simic deck. That sounds that sounds sweet. That's what I'm hoping for. I really hope that the guilds from Ravnica Legions are comparably powerful to the other ones. Uh, you mentioned the split cards. One thing, mm-hmm. uh, getting a little off topic, that's been debated is Wizard saying that the split cards are designed with best of one play in mind. And since it came up, I got to say, I think people who are complaining about Wizards designing cards for best of one, I think they are being incredibly, <laughs> incredibly silly. Like, the cards are <laughs> sweet anyway. Like, the split cards are sweet. If best of one was not a thing at all, they would still be really sweet cards. And and Wizard designs, like, they were designing tiny leaders cards at one point in standard set. They design a ton of commander cards each set. I don't buy the, like, oh, this is some horrible thing that Wizards was thinking about best of one when they when they played these cards. And this is coming from someone who is not really a fan of playing best of one. And I still think people are being ridiculous to get all up in arms about it. So, rant, yeah. rant ended. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, but one one other thing, thrash threat. That card is absurd. <laughs> that card is the truth. <laughs> well, I'm definitely excited. I haven't got to actually test out the cards yet. I'm waiting. They're coming very soon to Arena and Magic Online, and then I will be playing with them all the time. So, anyway, let's move on from the world of Ravnica Allegiance and talk about a couple other things really quick. Then we'll get to your fish mail. So, first off, uh, Wizards announced that Challenger decks are returning. I wrote an article about it. It's on the website. If you want to hear my uh, guesses at what types of decks uh, might be showing up in the 2019 edition of Challenger decks, but I think it's really exciting. The Challenger decks were maybe the most uh, well-received product from last year, and they really exceeded expectations for what a pre-con deck could be. So I'm really hopeful that Wizards is going to follow that up with another really strong set. So uh, any thoughts on Challenger decks making a return? Are you really that excited about them? <laughs> I think to me the the excitement is like an eBay sale, like a fifteen percent. Like it, it just decreases the price of your cards. But I don't like. Has anyone seen someone play a challenger deck at FNM or kind oh, of yeah. like an upgraded challenger deck? Or you go to someone's party game night and they're like, "Yeah, I got a bunch of challenger decks. Let's play." Like I feel like we don't belong in that demographic. So. I don't really care about Challenger decks, aside from the fact that it makes my cards cheaper. And that's kind of really... It's kind of like the dual decks. Like, very rarely do I ever play a dual deck, but I'm like, hey, look, this key commander staple was reprinted in there, so it just lowers the cost of my commander deck, right? I think... I think that based on last year's edition, the decks really were good enough that you could just play them at FNM, especially if you're willing to do like a little bit of upgrading. But I think we've just never seen that before. So I think especially in this current world where we've seen signs of wizards trying to convert arena players into paper players. We see like the best of one drafts they're going to be trying out at some game stores. So I think that this is a way that all these new arena players they can spend 30 bucks, have a deck that they can compete with at FNM for six months before rotation, and that's a price that might get these people to actually, like, go to a local game store, try an FNM, go to a GP or something. So I think that they actually really are important, even though I don't really have much interest in, like, playing Challenger X myself, but they're not made for me. I feel like they do really do a good job of serving a certain segment of the community, and it's a segment that's really important right now with all the new players coming in from Arena. I, I think, I like, I love the last batch of Challenger decks, and even though these decks aren't meant for me, uh, well, actually, they, they still are meant for me, though, right? Because, I mean, I... I'm getting a bunch, last time the Challenger decks came out, I was able to get a bunch of Mythic Rares at a really good price. So, thanks to that, like, like Richard said, it just makes it so, like, my Commander deck, I guess, can have some sweet Mythics and all that, but I thought overall, like, I could just buy, like, two copies of the Mardu Vehicles deck, or, or two copies of the, you know, the Approach of the Second Fun deck, and, uh, just, like, have a full standard deck, and it felt really good. So, I don't know, I, I love these. I'm really happy that Wizards is doing these. Yeah, uh, Seth brought up a good point. I want to see what the arena integration is because I think if they put them on arena, no, but they like instead of going from paper to arena the other way. So on arena, you say, I need to buy a challenger deck. And they're like, hey, we'll mail you a physical copy. Give me your shipping address. They'll never do this, but they should. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Where you pay like, say, a $5 surcharge on, you know, whatever the cost of this is in arena. And they send you a physical deck along with, uh, you know, a printout of where FNM is in your neighborhood because they, they have that, right? With your shipping address. I think that would be a pretty cool way to get arena players to start playing physical paper magic. That is actually a good idea. I mean, I don't think there's any chance that's happening this year, but it is a really <laughs> good idea. They just sell you welcome decks. They should send you, they should send you free, like, it costs them literally nothing, right? Like, to print well, these decks, right? It's oh, like yeah, yeah. A $3 shipping maybe, right? So I feel like, you should get some of this stuff for free as an arena player. I mean, I can definitely see them adding codes (laughs) to get into the game, but I don't see them, uh, you know, delivering me anything (laughs) for free. Unfortunately, I believe Gavin uh, confirmed that there are not codes in these decks for arena. 
although wow. they had heard the feedback and in the future that's something that they would consider but it's not like you buy a paper challenger deck you get it on arena or vice versa unfortunate <laughs> that is that is a little bit unfortunate i i was able to give out a ton of these on 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 stream and stuff and it, it actually like helped get more people into paper magic so I'm just excited for these to come back. And I mean, maybe that's another possibility. They have been doing some, like, codes that they give to streamers and whatnot. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Gabby or whoever, like, some streamer is just going to have a bunch of codes for the arena version of of Challenger decks and can hand them out to people. That's that's possible, even if you don't get one in your actual product. Yeah, like the Celestia deck they gave away uh, from, like, at TwitchCon, I think is, like, almost like a Challenger deck. So, I mean... They can just do that. Yeah. Definitely. All right. We got one more topic, and then we're hitting up fish mail. Last topic, we're shifting gears away from standard, away from arena, away from Ravnica Allegiance, and heading to modern. We have a modern banner restricted announcement coming up a week from today, I believe, uh, next Monday. So we'll be able to talk about what actually happens next podcast. But for today... I want to get your all's prediction on what's going to happen at this BNR. So uh, to set the stage for this, there's three, kind of three main things that people are talking about. Well, I guess maybe four, actually. So one is uh, KCI, Kurt Cohen Ironworks. That's a hot topic. Although within that, there's also conversations about uh, Ancient Stirring slash Mox Opal, which is mostly connected to KCI and people thinking maybe something from that will be banned. And then there's also a big conversation about Faithless Looting, which is kind of its own separate thing, making decks too consistent or whatever. And then the fourth thing is the possibility of unbanning. There was an article on Channel Fireball this week saying, well, like, instead of banning stuff, they should just be unbanning Splinter Twin and letting that police the format. It's not that busted compared to what's going on today anyway. So, give me your predictions. Uh, next week, when the BNR comes out, does anything get banned? If so, what? Does anything get unbanned? If so, what? Is there a modern Pro Tour coming up? <laughs> They're actually they announced that the next pro tour is standard, so not immediately. Nothing, no changes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that jokingly, but I'm like also 100 percent serious. <laughs> like whatever they feel the fix is for modern, they're not gonna blow it right now when there's no point to it. They're gonna wait for it uh, until the pro tour, and as long as we have some period of time, they're just gonna push it off. So what, when we have a modern pro tour coming up, they will enact their changes and they will make changes to modern. Uh, and my guess would be ancient stirrings or mox opal, something along kind of the unfair decks, but too much consistency. Uh, but I don't think now is the time. It would be very strange if they did it now and there was no modern pro tour to show off the effect of the bannings. Uh, that's that's actually a very good point. Um, there there is no crazy event to showcase the bannings, but for the sake of me playing online, I'm gonna hope, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hope something does happen next week. No, what did Crim say I, about I, modern? We better make a change right now. <laughs> yeah, Crim's not happy. Do it now. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> I I don't like. Okay, so. I think what people want to have happen is have Ancient Stirrings and uh, KCI Band and Faithless Looting, but I only see uh, the KCI itself getting banned. I think Ancient Stirrings, Mox Opal will still stay around. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want it to, but I, <laughs> I, I think it will. And then I think Faithless Looting probably will also stay around. I don't see them unbanning anything. So... I'm going to split the difference. I think that Richard is correct in the sense that they usually like to shake up the format for a pro tour. And we don't have a pro tour, so I'm not expecting the huge shakeup. I'm not expecting the, okay, we're unbanning Stoneforge or Twin, we're banning multiple cards, but I do think that they're going to kill KCI. I think that my prediction is going to be, it's just... KCI is banned itself. Carrot Clan Ironworks banned in the format, and then they can still, they get rid of the most obnoxious deck in the format that is drawing the most complaints and they can still save the crazy shakeup of the format for when we have the next modern pro tour and maybe that's when something big gets unbanned a stoneforge or a splinter twin or maybe they actually do ban ancient stirrings opal faithless suiting something else like that to really change the format heading into the pro tour but i don't think 
they can let KCI go through this BNR. I just, I don't think there's yeah. people like this last tournament. There was people died on turn two to KCI with two forms of graveyard hate. They had like a relic on the battlefield and a surgical in hand. And it's still like KCI is just like, no problem. Like, I don't care what hate cards you have. They're like, that's, that's the busted aspect of the deck. So I really think it has to go this go around. What if they just ban Matt Ness? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're leading the ro- some other deck and then we just can't maybe this is why Reed Duke is getting so much coverage you're like okay please spread the word of Jund and Fairdex (laughs) you know these players these players like Finkel's not part of the thing like we don't want you unfair players getting the spotlight and turning you know the regular magic crowd into (laughs) into combo players (laughs) oh there's actually another okay uh, curveball topic real quick and then we gotta get to fish mail so uh, they had a GP this weekend this is the second GP since they started the the pro league one of the pro league members the top 32 actually got dq'd from the tournament uh, i guess the situation was they were playing limited went to the attack step realized that he didn't make his land drop so he didn't have enough mana to do what he needed to do to attack so he just played his land during the attack step and proceeded to do what he needed to do and win the game uh what do you think about this this is something we hadn't talked about at all what happens when one of these Top 32, $75,000 a year streaming contracts. What happens when these people get caught quote unquote cheating or get DQ'd for something like this? Like, is there going to be additional ramifications? Is it just like any other player? Is this something that we should be concerned about? I mean, in sports, we have fines, right? Like, we have fines for, I don't know, all sorts of random things. So maybe, maybe you just like lob off a part of their contract or something like that. That's a good I feel idea. like they should be gone. I ah. feel so. I, the, the crux of this is: should they be held to a higher standard? Right? Like, should you apply the normal rule? He gets a DQ and like he moves on, or should something more severe happen? And I don't actually know who this is. I have no context for this other than what Seth said. But I feel like if they're representing Magic at the highest levels, they should be held to a higher standard. So even if it is an honest mistake, it's unfortunate. But it's it's kind of like what people see when they look at competitive magic. It's kind of like if you're in the NFL, you're not allowed to say certain things, right? Like you're like, oh, but I want to express my opinions and, you know, but you're going to lose sponsors. They're going to ax you like you just have to behave differently as kind of the star player that everyone's looking up to. So you should be held to a higher standard, in my opinion. So if you're caught cheating, whether accidental or whatever, like... That's something that should have been baked into the contract, right? Like they should say, hey, you need to adhere to a higher level than a normal player, right? That is kind of your burden for being part of the pro league. So I feel like that's what it should be going forward. So like a, a like a terminated contract? Yeah. Done. And or then, then, something like that. And then that. what, did they pull, would they then pull like, I don't know, the 33rd or whatever person and put them in the top 32? I don't know how they would do it. Like maybe you get one warning and then the next one you're gone. But I feel like it needs to be more severe than a normal, you know, what you would normally get as like a normal player, like no name. I think right? because they are <sighs> champions of magic, right? That is the whole point of paying them and making them do all of this. I think you got to do something more than a normal player. Oh, yeah. I, I think there, I think whether it's uh, fines that eventually, after a couple of times, ends up getting you kicked out altogether. But they got to do something because there is a. If you read, like, the Arena subreddit, which is one of the more casual places, uh, I think, that you see Magic Media, there's a big perception that pros are cheaters. (laughs) Like, that is... I cannot count the number of times people say things about, oh, they can't wait till everything's on Arena because all the pros are cheaters anyway. And uh, so I think that having someone that's officially sponsored by Wizard get DQ'd for for cheating, uh, it plays into that perception, which is definitely not the perception that Wizards wants of competitive magic. That, like, the good players aren't good because they're talented or because they practice. They're good because they're better at cheating than everyone else. So even something somewhat innocent like this, it's not like the player was, uh, you know, stacking their hand and uh, doing shuffling tricks or anything. But even something, like, semi-innocent, it still plays into that perception, which I think Wizards really needs to fight against with, uh, with the pro players. So I hope that something happens. I don't know if I want the person just, like, kicked out for their first defense, but I think there does need to be ramifications beyond what a random player to GP would have. 
I mean, yeah, you, you kind of like a, a, a face of the product, so. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to happier things. Hopefully. I don't know what the <laughs> questions are today. Fish mail. Richard, hopefully they're good ones. <laughs> I'm trying to find the most unhappy fish you know. So if you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. 11 Vicious, how pushed is Electrodominance with Suspend cards? Ancestral Visions, Wheel of Fate, Living End, Lotus Bloom, 2 mana, draw 3, or wheel seems good to me. Broken. So Seth, do, do you, have you actually been brewing with this? What, what, do you, what do you feel about Electrodominance? I know you really uh, want to bring back Restore Balance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I love me some Restore Balance. I think that the card is a big deal. I think it's pretty busted. It's similar to As Foretold, which we already have, so it's not a completely new effect, but having essentially eight As Foretolds is ways to cheat cards without a mana cost into play. It adds a whole new level of consistency to decks that wasn't there before. We saw, like, Mono Blue Living End be a thing before, uh, but you had to draw your As Foretolds, and sometimes, even with all your random support cards, you just don't find it. So I think that there's a really realistic chance that Electrodominance is going to be really good in Modern and really shake things up. I'm on the other side of that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to play uh, a two-mana card and then all, like have like kind of pretty much like force deck slots so that I can get I don't know a draw three or or a restore balance or something like that. So, I mean, restore balance is is sweet, right? Living end is sweet, but I, I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't feel good like adding four more cards into my deck to uh, <laughs> that could potentially do nothing if I get the wrong pairings in the certain hands. Like, well, in this situation, I need this living end to go off, but I don't have it. Instead, I just have. A bunch of as foretolds and then, you know, whatever, electrodominance and whatnot. Yeah, and they're just like electrodominance or face. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> take, take two. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's where I'm like trying to be in modern specifically, but <laughs> it is a thing. You could. All right. Also from 11 Vicious, similar to Time Spiral, how crazy would it be for a set block to take existing cards and their abilities and swap colors? So Snapcaster in black, Bolt in green, just stir the pot a little. How about color shifted cards? Do, do you guys think we should see another color shifted set? 100%. <sighs> Time Spiral is one of my all-time favorite blocks. I really like it. I don't know if it's necessarily healthy. We see a lot of the color shifted cards uh still being pretty heavily played. Uh, so I don't know if it's a good thing for Magic overall, but personally I do enjoy it. What what are the best color shifted cards? Like harmonize? Uh, harmonize, damnation, damnation is probably oh, damnation. yeah the one of the best. Um, there's other weird ones. Dawn charm. <laughs> I feel like the slight color shift is okay. Like green can already draw cards, so you just kind of just drawing cards differently. Same with black, they can kill things. But I feel like giving like say white lightning bolt <laughs> might be a bit egregious, and it will kind of change all of commander right like all your decks will kind of kind of look homogenous if you have the best staples in every color so i don't like i don't know i feel like it should be like an unset where it's fine for commander for like a year or something and then it goes away because this kind of just have it has everlasting effect right standard doesn't matter uh, a rotation later it's all fixed but for modern and commander whatever fun thing you do for the set will kind of just last forever which may not be good yeah you got you got to do it i think you could do it it would take a lot of work but you could do it in a way that makes sense just looking at some of the cards in there like groundbreaker is like the green ball lightning that's fine like those abilities work or pyrohemia being a red version of pestilence like that ability makes sense in red so i think if you color shift in a way that you're not really straight up breaking the color pie it could be sweet but i am a little worried that it would go a bit too far and be a bad thing i would love to see a complete <laughs> huge color shift like imagine playing against blue black and like being worried about getting bolted <laughs> <laughs> or like out of green just like oh you know they, they, did this. Was, they also might have a lightning bolt Frexian called mana. mental misstep <laughs> yeah it was called mental misstep <laughs> <laughs> all right uh dylan ty hunter hey seth with how much you've been enjoying legacy any chance we see budget legacy 
deck for budget magic or perhaps a refresh of the budget-ish options for legacy. Also play legacy lands on stream. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. We just played Turbo Depths, which is pretty budget-friendly by Legacy standards, uh, last night. So check that out if you haven't already, but uh, people have been really liking Legacy, I've been really liking Legacy, so I expect that we'll see more of it kind of trickling in over the next few months, uh, to the point where we might just have, like, a Eternal series that comes up once in a while. So, yes, I definitely expect more of that stuff to be coming, because the response has been really good to the Legacy stuff. All right, Mimius cards from Ravnica Allegiance from Eric Drell. <laughs> I already know that. <laughs> uh, that would have to be Simic. Well, I guess I pick one, right? I can only get one? Mm-hmm. If, if so, oh, hold on. It was a lot easier because I was going to name multiple, but I think <laughs> Simic Ascendancy, I think, is my Mimius pick. Uh, I, I gotta go with... Uh... Shark to crab. That card's just like, it's not meme a meme in a way that it's gonna make a fun meme deck, but it feels like a card that was intentionally designed to be a meme, like the, uh, the meme card of the set. Humongous. Oh. Wait, I take my answer back. It's actually gonna be Mirror March. Alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna force Krim to do this. You're gonna play some kind of Teferi control deck where your finisher is Humongous. Yeah, play Jeskai <laughs> control, but you have to take out Teferi and you're like, and play. you're like, it's, it's Etherling. It's like unstoppable, the five toughness that hex proof of it they're like, it's like unstoppable it's pretty much the same card it's a functional reprint it is it is oh, you just or, gotta back him up by teferi that's a really should good i choice. do that or mesmerizing benthid richard but this this one is this one's a common you don't have to fork over the cash you oh, okay okay it's a mythic <laughs> you're gonna have to use some wild cards on that one but humongous <laughs> everyone has humongous ready to go <laughs> Five mana, two five hexproof. Good enough. I actually think this card will be quite obnoxious and limited. Like <laughs> hexproof is always obnoxious. So hexproof, and it's it has like a it's a two five, right? It's it's actually kind of hard to punch through. <laughs> it's true. All right, Sebastian Tan. So what are each of your most individually hated tribes in all of Magic? Oh, most hated tribes. Hmm. hmm. I've never thought about this before. Um, humans. It's humans. I think it's got to be humans. What? You hate all of humanity, Seth? Yeah. <laughs> I hate what, that. I, I hate humans. I hate humans, period. I hate humans because they incidentally get support every single set when all the other tribes uh, don't get support on a consistent basis, which means, like, in modern, other cool tribes, like merfolk and stuff, just... They, they can't keep pace because humans get new pieces every single set. So it's like the only tribal deck in modern at this point because they just keep getting more and more support. So I hate what humans have become. <laughs> <laughs> just sounds funny to hear. <laughs> uh, I think for me, it's probably goblins, I guess. Wow, I don't, you guys, we've just lost, like, 50% of our subscribers. Podcast dead. <laughs> I mean, the most like, popular tribes of all time, we all hate. Dude, like, I... I don't worry, I'll got- follow up with Dragon or Angel next. I got this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just don't like goblins, I think, only because I remember being younger and getting destroyed by Goblin Piledriver. So I was, like, tired of it. And ever since then goblins have been the bane of my existence i guess but not really because i don't really hate any one tribe but if i had to pick one i guess it'd be goblins yeah i i don't hate any tribes i love all tribes but the to answer this question i hate skeletons <laughs> oh yeah totally. They're a problem. i cannot get them to work they have like the worst <laughs> ability ever and like what is the point of, what, like what is the difference between a skeleton and a zombie or a skeleton and a vampire I don't know they have no real identity regeneration is something that wizards doesn't want to keep going because it doesn't make any sense so they have no identity and they suck and you just okay, can't you win with them they're like so buns. you're like oh wait till someone wraths the board I'll regenerate everything they're like damnation you're like great perfect guys <laughs> my tribe is so good <laughs> Oh, that's that's uh, such a weird thing to hate, Richard. I don't I don't think that they're like a problem, right? Like, and the, and then the best part is, do you hate them because you can't get them to work? <laughs> they so, have like, no upside. Every other tribe has an upside and identity. 
and the the skeleton one like makes no sense and they're overcosted and they're just oh gutter bones gutter bones is one mana you know you got death baron a skeleton a skeleton lord you know the We've got something cooking here. Re- All right. Reassembling I'll, I'll, I'll skeleton? gift you a skeleton deck on Commander Clash sometime, crew. <laughs> Is there we'll even a skeleton out. general? Uh, I forgot who did I... Skeleton I think there are ship. some. Skele- pirate ship. Skeleton ship? I think it's what called skeleton ship, yeah. yeah. Wait, that's legendary? Look this up. <laughs> yeah, it's like from Ice Age. You have much to learn about the skeleton tribe, Chris. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. It's in Demir. Look at that. Perfect. I'm in. It's so bad, but it is a... It's, you it's can put a, a minus one, minus zero. one counter on it's, something. That's, it's a five... Okay, I gotta read this card for people that don't know it. So, the card we're talking about, Skeleton Chip, five mana. Five mana. You get a zero three. <laughs> if you don't control an island at any point, it dies to itself, and you can tap it to put a negative one, negative one counter on something. And it's a rare. And it's on the reserve list. This is like the worst card in the history of Magic. Wait, this is on the reserve list? I remember playing it. I remember this card is actually kind of decent. <laughs> because the fact that it gives you minus one, minus one counters is actually kind of useful. <laughs> you know what? We have played Clash? far worse. We have played sword. far worse commanders before. <laughs> Uh, Dude, I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna play pirates and skeletons. It's just gonna be like Pirates of the Caribbean, like dot deck. <laughs> it's gonna be great. The art's sweet though. It's got like dolphins jumping around this really, really gnarly looking boat. I like it. <laughs> All right, next question. Zurath, do any of you have a pet goldfish? Have you ever? If so, what is, uh, what is or was their name? <laughs> Uh, so I had a pet goldfish for like a day when I was a kid. I won it at a carnival with the like throw the ping pong ball into the fish tank and you get to keep the fish uh, if you make it. And I think it, it died the next day. It might have died on the way home from the carnival. So I don't even think I had time to name it. That I'm surprised that game's legal now looking back on it. Maybe it was different when I was a kid because it definitely <laughs> seems like animal abuse of some kind. Yeah, it's I bad. <laughs> I definitely did. Mo- moment of silence for Seth's unnamed goldfish, but but yeah, it's like, like yeah, let's give let's give people things they don't want and hope it survives. <laughs> right? Like what? Uh, I had I didn't have a personal pet goldfish, but we had like fish in a tank in our house. I don't think we ever named them. I don't think I can even tell the difference between the various fish. So, so yeah, I, I guess I never had an affinity for fish before this. Uh, I, I had one, mine, mine died immediately. So, I mean, I just, that's because I was not very responsible as a child. So I just <laughs> forgot to feed it. <laughs> Don't your parents like step in and feed your fish for you? No, they're just like, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta learn a lesson. It's a life lesson. Yeah, I you mean, gotta learn some life lessons. <laughs> I had a goldfish apparently... for like a week. That was like pretty good. <laughs> was it actually a goldfish though? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember watching Finding Nemo. <laughs> Wait, that was, Nemo was like a clownfish or something. Yeah, but like for me, that was a goldfish. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, you think I knew what a clownfish was when I saw that? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, last question. Fun and James eighty five. Are you doing a theme clash for the Super Bowl? Mm. What would your themes be for the Saints, Chiefs, Patriots, Rams? Oh dear! Ox tribal? Is there an ox? Wait, tribal? wait, wait, wait! I haven't been following. Where, where are we? Are we, are we AFC championship and NFC championship? Next week is the championship. Next week, yeah. Are those the, the those are the four those teams? Those are the four that teams. Just yep. uh, Tom Brady needs to be nerfed. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's called <laughs> age. It. It's gonna happen soon. <laughs> They're promising <laughs> it next patch, but you know. I think Rams. <laughs> the Rams like are an easy one because there's like actual Nick's fleece ram and other sheep in in magic so that's easy i'm pretty sure we did a patriots deck on you did i think you did a patriots deck and you had some really hilarious justifications you actually had like a lot of you put a lot of work into justifying different (laughs) card choices and it was really funny it was one of my favorite decks even though i hate the patriots (laughs) i don't actually hate them i don't i just don't like the patriots how about that i'm not a fan of the patriots it was actually a pretty fun deck to build yeah i haven't been terrorized as a bills fan by the patriots (laughs) like seth has (laughs) If we went by my favorite team, that would be the Broncos. So I guess, <laughs> I guess Saints, the, Chiefs, 
Ah, maybe we could. Saints uh, could be like we don't have a Commander Clash episode. Yeah, that's that's mm. the problem. We're between seasons. You yeah. could probably do like holy strength and other like stuff for the Saints. It's, it's probably possible. We we should do a football a football clash though. That would be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to try <laughs> that again. We can see or, how many punts we can string yeah. off in a row. <laughs> I, I, we've, we've done it before where we've punted continuously in a circle for yeah. like five minutes <laughs> unintentionally but you know that's like real football yeah we <laughs> three and out it's gonna be a time for a punt <laughs> we're football themed every episode yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we've been football themed since forever <laughs> All right, that's all of our fishmail questions. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to the hashtag MDGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 206 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cribb, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. Check them out, spikesacademy.com. 10% off with the cold goldfish. So, until next week, everyone, have a wonderful week. Enjoy your pre-release this weekend, and... This is the crew signing out.